You're listening to the Run For Your Lives podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm Daphne. And I'm Paik. And this is the Run for Your Lives podcast. This episode, we're covering the science fiction disaster film 2012. Science fiction? Come on, I thought this was a historical reenactment, a historical <laughs> documentary. No. <laughs> Fine. Science fiction film 2012, directed by Roland Emmerich, released November 13th, 2009. See, I thought it was like a, they saw ahead in the future. It was a... Pro- prophetic historical documentary. Next, you're going to um, tell me that the Mayans were behind the financing on this film as well. Duh. <laughs> no. No. Uh, anyway, not. before <laughs> before we get too wild, which we're going to get, uh, because what's going to add to the wildness is we do have a guest this week, and he's been sitting here quietly watching us just talk. Please welcome <laughs> Papa, Jeff Allen. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! This is so overdue. It is. It is. I'm glad that you finally were able to join us and talk about this film, which Peg had not seen before today. Dying to know. That is a travesty that has been fixed. I'm (laughs) trying, Jeff, one movie at a time to expose him to things. And eventually, and I know Jerry is listening to this, eventually I'm going to expose Peg to Kingdom of the Spiders, which is a classic William Shatner film from the 70s. <laughs> Life goals. Sounds special. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm in. You say that now. I'm not sure you'll feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I watched, there's plenty of other movies that I've watched on here. Really? Which ones? Gonna, yeah. Which ones stand out as not being great? Uh, well, you made me watch 30 Days a Night, so there is that. Uh, <laughs> which wasn't that bad of a movie, just had a lot of holes. A lot of, you, of you, holes that you didn't like. A lot of exactly. things that drove you up a wall, basically. <laughs> not me or others, but you specifically. But me specifically, yeah. Yes. <laughs> People can go back and listen to that one if they want to know. Please um. <laughs> do. Please go back and listen to it because you'll hear Paik giving me quite a hard time actually about it. <laughs> so anyway, I think before we get in too deep to madness, we might as well just kick it off with the production notes like we always do. It's a good plan. All right. So this I was agree. filmed. All right. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to approve you... of that. You're going to approve of it. Okay. <laughs> yes. Excellent. Excellent. Um, I'm glad you approve. So it was filmed in Hawaii and D.C. in the U.S., British Columbia, Canada, Japan, Vatican City, and Tibet, China. The script was written by Emmerich and composer-producer Harold Clore. It won two satellite awards, including Best Sound and Visual Effects, and it had the tagline, We Were Warned. 
Budget was $200 million and it grossed $791.2 million. It was 158 minutes long. Yes, it was a long one. <laughs> Pake? Emphasis on the long. Pake, give us a synopsis. A frustrated writer struggles to keep his family alive and a series of global catastrophes threatens to annihilate mankind. That sounds like a Roland Emmerich movie. Yeah. Yeah, you could really like tag that onto literally any movie he's ever directed, and I think it it works. <laughs> I mean, we've done Moonfall, The Day After Tomorrow, Independence Day. I mean, we've mm-hmm. done some of his movies before. So this isn't new, as right. in, oh, we've never heard of him. No, he's pretty much solidified as Mr. Disaster. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So, before we get into conversation, of course, when we do have a guest, it's been a little bit. We kind of do things a little differently instead of just our regular character breakdowns. We go into our top three style where we can talk about our top three points, moments, ideas, themes, whatever. It can be as broad or specific as you like. And we've put those all together on our own separately before now. So, at least I hope so. Some of them um- <laughs> might work with each other. And some three of points. them might not. Nobody told me three about points. that. Yes, three <laughs> points. All right. And so with Jeff being the guest this week, we're going to put him on the you know, stand and make him go first. That's how it works. Yep. All right. Um, I do want to let you know that I'm going to be doing the rest of this podcast as Yuri Karpov. Okay, um, good. Perfect. Okay. So, movie was good. Very good. <laughs> okay, thank you, Yuri. Thanks Karpov. for the input, Yuri. Yeah, yeah we I appreciate love that. Did you leave that for us when you were plummeting to your death? <laughs> oh gosh. Um, I wanted to start off with um one of the reasons that I was when this movie came out, I was really excited to see it. Um. Besides the fact that it was Roland Emmerich and I like a lot of the stuff, other stuff that he's done, was I was very interested in the 2012 phenomenon, if you will. Not in the sense of that I thought anything was going to happen any more than I thought anything was going to happen with Y2K, but um, it, it was a very interesting idea to me, so I kind of wanted to touch on it a little bit. Basically, the way that the Mayan calendar worked was this... um, So, each group, each period of 20 days was grouped together, and then each grouping of 20 of those groups was grouped together to make 360 days, which is approximately a year. Eventually, after like five levels, you get to uh, these groupings of what are close to 400 years long. And the idea was that at at, uh, December 21st, 2012, the 13th of these groupings was going to end, and we would enter into the 14th. And the idea was that the Mayans had predicted that after 13, the world would end. Now, the truth of it is that, similar to Tolkien, the Mayans believed that we were living in the Fourth Age. And the Third Age had ended after 
13 of these turns. And so the reality is probably if the Mayans had been around to see 2012, they would have celebrated the fact that we had made it farther than the previous age had. So the whole idea that it was going to be, that they had predicted it as an apocalypse uh, was quite actually the opposite. They, It was the previous age had ended after that many years. Anyways, that's just, it, to me, that's very interesting. The whole idea yeah. of, yeah. you know, that we'd taken this thought that, you know, people had had hundreds of years ago and then somebody at some point had completely corrupted it and spread it around like wildfire. And then you had people like Harold Camping saying, okay, well, this is when it's predicted that the world was going to end and we all need to be prepared and... But the good news is we got this movie out of it, <laughs> which I think makes yeah. it all worthwhile. <laughs> I remember that year. I remember just kind of the weird, like, because the, the whole mindset really of people was like, yeah, it's all bullshit. Yeah. Like, obviously, this is not going to happen. <laughs> but what if, you know, like it was very. <laughs> but wouldn't it be weird? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Maybe we should, like burn our entire lives down on December 20th, just in case. Just. Yeah, yeah let's not. Yeah. Yeah, and it, I mean, it was a big enough thing, yeah, of course, that it's going to spawn a movie like this, and I'm sure there there were a few others, too, that weren't at this, you know, level, but yeah, it was definitely within the zeitgeist of pop culture enough to where of course we we're going to get a Roland Emmerich <laughs> epic disaster film based on it, you know, a few years before. <laughs> You know what's funny? Good excuses, any for him to end the world, right? <laughs> he does such. He, loves doing he it. does such a great job of doing that. Like he just does. <laughs> he, no one destroys the world be better than him. That's that's all that I had on that. Yes, is a little historical awesome. background. All right, Daphne, what do you have? Well, I I always make you go next. I like. I don't know why I like <laughs> rounding it out. I just do. He does. Um, it's just powerful. I'm the headliner. Yeah. Oh, power's gone to my head. Oh, my um, I think that I should just go into the part where, you know, basically with what I just said, no one destroys a world like Roland Emmerich because, yeah, it's true. Um, he actually had said with this movie that it was going to be his last disaster film. And it was going to be like the disaster film to end all disaster films. He packed everything into it. And then, of course, he ended up doing Independence Day Resurgence. And then the delightful Moonfall that we covered, I think, back in May. It was going to be his last disaster film, but then money. <laughs> then money. <laughs> True. So I really enjoyed the effects in this movie. I thought that... For the most part, they were pretty well done. Um, I know that we sometimes are questioning choices for different things, but they brought in like four or five different companies to work on it. And I liked it right from the beginning. I liked um, watching the city fall into the ocean. Like, I thought that was incredible. The world falling... Basically, when Jackson's driving the limousine and 
everything is just falling away. Totally down with it. I thought it was great. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I'm worried that Paik is going to pick a pick it apart because he <laughs> is even pickier than I am about it. Okay, so the effects that I didn't like mostly were when Charlie was on the mountaintop and everything first started going to shit. I don't think those were quite as good. But then they, once the pieces from the volcano were flying, it got a bit better. I have exact notes about these things. I'm just going to wait because it's one of my points and I can I can get to that. Okay, second. good. Because, yeah, you were right. I have I have thoughts. I bet you do. I You're going to shred it. <laughs> I, I'm feeling it. Like Pick has opinions. He does. And he likes to share them. I tend to do that. On this podcast, yeah. <laughs> which is what the podcast is for. So, yeah, I, I, I thought, you know, the effects were pretty good. There were some effects in the deleted scenes that... You can tell they didn't finish. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I'll talk about those a little bit uh, later because I have some notes on it. But I I liked like the rogue wave, the mega tsunamis. Like I thought those were pretty good. I thought the the destruction was pretty good. And that's why I watch these movies. I don't know why. I can't explain why. I like seeing things torn to pieces like this. Like I just am into it. That's what I like. So, yeah. So, I just wanted to point out the effects in this movie because I really liked the destruction that uh, was created for it. And Peg's going to shred it. And (laughs) You don't know that. I know I don't. I'm just anticipating it. You don't know. (laughs) (laughs) If you do, it'll be the first time we've disagreed about effects. Because we usually are calling out things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's my point. Okay, cool. You let me uh, take that point and run with it. That's one of mine. Yeah, uh, just destruction and chaos. Uh, I will say, does the CGI hold up? It is not amazing, um, but I will take it. Because there's a lot of insanity going on that like, (laughs) man, it's hard to like, and then, yeah, I mean, it doesn't look great in a lot of places, but I've also, we have covered a lot of movies where it looks a lot worse. worse. So, um, you know, because I felt like we've seen much worse in what we've done. Definitely. Um, so yeah, so really the, my overall thought of this movie is as far as like the action, it's over the top and it's cheesy as hell. And you know what? That's okay. Because I think, they knew exactly what they were doing. There's scenes, especially you talked about the limo driving through the neighborhood and then through the city. There's things that are put in there that it's like, obviously they know this is ridiculous and they're owning up to it. And they're just like, let's just make it ridiculous. Hold Uh, on to the eggs, dear. (laughs) I know. Uh, Yeah. The sewage, the donut, the old ladies, which (laughs) are people, you know, like all of these things you're like, yeah, this scene solidifies the idea that this movie knows exactly what it is. Uh, I mean, come on, when you're ramping a limo through like a glass building as it's falling, like, you know what's going on here. <laughs> uh- <laughs> you know what, though? I think Emmerich knows that with his movies and he doesn't apologize, although I still think he might want to apologize for Moonfall just a bit. Um, <laughs> I thought I think he lost his touch with that one, but 
yeah, I think I think you're right. I think the movie does know what it is. Right. If you're going to do ridiculous, like everything's being destroyed, and you're going to like do these way over the top action sequences with it. If it's going to be over the top, go way over the top and own it. And that's exactly what this movie does. I mean, come on, Gordon, the barely a pilot is pulling off <laughs> moves that nobody should like f- between buildings and trains flying through the air. And it's like, yeah, it's ridiculous. These people would be dead in 10 minutes, but, but it is what it is. And you got to enjoy that. Uh, How often do you get to see a plane dodge a subway car? Right. I mean, really? <laughs> I mean, stuff was coming out of everywhere. There was no stability whatsoever. And usually, you know, I get anxious about some movies like that, but not this one. I've seen it a Next. bunch of times. I'm down for it. I'm down for the insanity. Well, I mean, if you're yeah, looking just, for a car with amazing maneuverability, great turn radius, and ability to stop on a dime, I mean, what better to go with than a stretch limo? Right. <laughs> oh my god. Except maybe uh, an RV camper. Mm-hmm. Oh, also known for their maneuverability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was all the Lamborghinis that got destroyed immediately. So yeah. you know. <laughs> Those are terrible cars for this. Uh <laughs> yeah, I just had like a, a bunch of like little notes to point out certain things, which uh one random note, because talking about how cheesy this is, is I I get snarky with my notes sometimes just randomly. I remember when they're walking through Yellowstone and they jump over the fence and Noah goes, don't you see the signs? And I went, what, that this is going to be a cheesy movie? Of course I do. But kid, I'm going to tread ahead anyway. Um, (laughs) Here it comes. But but yeah, no, just little things. Uh, At the beginning when uh, Adrian is in India and I was like, man, the taxi driver just plows over this kid's boat. I was like, that's definitely foreshadowing what's going to happen later. Um, for sure. I thought and then that when we too, get- but I didn't write it down <laughs> because for some reason, in the back of my mind, was no need to write it down. Peg's going to bring it up. <laughs> Guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, the science behind this stuff, I'm not even going to try to No, don't pretend that I know any of what's going on or dispute it. I'm like, sure, roll with it. Take it as it is. Movies. You know, neutrinos from solar flares that are heating up the Earth's core because... Science, you know, we'll just we'll roll with it. All I know is there's solar climaxes. Sounds hot. Um, hey, if Human Centipede was marketed as 100 percent scientifically accurate, this has got to be at least 150 percent. Right. What? Oh my god. Uh, I do like the line in the grocery store where Gordon says, "I just feel like something's pulling us apart," and then the quick literally just like opens the ground between them. And I was like, "That was cheesy as hell," and I appreciate it so much. <laughs> Um, of course you did. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, so it's just so over the top. There was a segment of the movie that was just like, maybe the alternate title could be Noah reacts to digital carnage through various vehicle windows. Uh, that could be. <laughs> um, yeah, we get the cool visual of Hawaii is just a lava flow. It's just magma. Um, Hawaii's gone. So they have to make a water landing. So they think. Except, you know, after the quakes comes the tsunamis, so water's going to be bad news, especially for that cruise ship, R.I.P. Harry and Tony and, well, everyone on board. I liked Um, Harry and Tony. That made me sad. 
Um, I notice again when they show Italy being destroyed and where they they have the crack forming between God and man, <laughs> Adam, you know, in the Sistine Chapel. And I was just like, well, that's not a, you know, metaphor or, you know, oh my God. <laughs> that's that not was, some kind of commentary. I don't know what is. That was so heavy-handed. Oh, yeah. Very heavy-handed between hands. Because that's, uh, yeah. Right. And then... The capital just got taken out by the American, the, the, the capital of America taken out by its own military. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Did you see, what does that did you see no. the name of that um, ship? Mm-hmm. The John F. Kennedy. Yeah. Is. First of all, it's not very often that you see an aircraft carrier destroy the White House. No. No. Um, I will give them style points yes, for that one. I mean, for sure. <laughs> honestly, I was pretty excited that, you know, Kennedy, after, you know, 50 years after being assassinated, came back and took his revenge on Washington. I know, right? Yeah. Good for him. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I was, again, with the science t- trying to come up, follow and then realized, no, don't even follow. Just take it where it goes. <laughs> this whole Earth crust displacement thing where I was like, they're all ready for this crash landing in the water. And then instead, no, we're in snow-capped mountains, which, you know, practically the same thing, right? Because uh, everything's like, so knows? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, so who knows where they are or where anything is if it's all shuffled and shifted? I was like, are they even headed to China anymore? Maybe China's in Alaska now, so to speak. I don't know, like, where? No. <laughs> How do they know where they're going? Coincidentally, <laughs> they end up in China. They end up one Not mile China. away from... <laughs> from- right. <laughs> It's all shifted and we're nowhere near where we are. Oh, we're exactly where we're wanting to go. (laughs) Lucky us. And then, of course, the tsunami is coming in at the, you know, near the end. All that was was pretty cool and sad, depending on what you're looking at. Uh, But thank God that guy was up there to ring that bell twice or else who knows what happened. You know, luckily now only a tsunami killed everyone. But (laughs) he had been waiting his whole life to ring that bell. And I was like, I this know. is the time. This is, this the, is my this moment. This is my moment. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those are those are my thoughts. That's my point. It's like just enjoying and also kind of being able to laugh at some of the ridiculous over the top action stuff that again, when I'm I'm not a fan of Roland Emmerich when it comes to a serious look at a movie. Like I've accepted that, like, if Roland Emmerich is doing a disaster movie, it's like, shut off your brain, make a bag of popcorn, and just go for the ride, because right. that's what it's going to be. Because it's going to be like a roller coaster, kind of, right. up and down and all over the place. And I'm I'm not looking to Mr. Emmerich for thought-provoking cinema, no. you know? <laughs> no. Not going to happen. But he definitely knows how to destroy things. Does it very, very well. Did either of you notice, and this is a side note, and I should wait till notes, but I just wondered if either of you noticed where Harry and Tony's boat was docked when they were getting on it. I did not. You really should, Jeff. And Pake, you should too, because you were just there. I was going to say. Well, I thought it was San Francisco. It is San Francisco. But I don't yep. think it, it was. It was. The bridge was in the background. I didn't notice. Yes. Yeah. I wanted to point that out because you guys, well, Jeff, you live around there and Pake, you were there. 
you know, it, it, there is something, a big issue here, though, and that's the fact that Emmerich, in his movie that destroyed the entire world, did not destroy the Golden Gate Bridge. And, I mean, it's like, right. that's, like, requirement 1A of a disaster. That's, like, one of the first things you, you have, have to. to. It's like, there's the Statue things. of Liberty or the Golden Gate Bridge. There's three things you destroy. Statue of, four things. Statue of Liberty, White House, Golden Gate Bridge, Hollywood sign. Yes. <laughs> and we only got one of those. Right. But he did do a little destruction in the day he after did, tomorrow. He did make up for it with, you know... Yeah. You know, shifting the entire Earth's crust 23 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> Earth re-re-remixed. <laughs> uh, the South Pole is in Wisconsin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, man. All right. But yeah, so those are my notes. Jeff, hitting it back to you for sure. Yeah. Number um, two. I want to talk a little bit about some of the characters, the actors in this movie, um, not necessarily our lead characters, but some of our side ones. Um, there are a couple of my favorite that guy actors mm-hmm. in this yes. movie. Um, I think I know. I think I know a couple of them that you're going to bring up. Absolutely, my. Number two all-time that guy actor behind Stephen Tobolowsky is John Billingsley. Um, I know him. Who's that guy? Exactly. (laughs) Um, I I know him best from one of my one of my favorite movies, The Man from Earth. Um, he was also he was on um. Star Trek Enterprise for many years. Um, but then was also on uh, briefly on Prison Break and on a show that got canceled way too quickly called The Nine. Uh, starring Chima <gasps> The Bride. Nine! Yes. That was a great show it was and a it got fantastic canceled. fantastic show. That was the bank show, right? Yes. Where they were in the bank. Oh my yes. gosh, yeah. That he played canceled Egan too soon. Yes. Uh, I also noticed when I was looking up what he's done in general that he has played, and I didn't even look at necessarily the characters specifically, just the names that he's credited as, the character names. Fourteen times the character is a doctor or professor. He's just got that vibe, though, (laughs) don't you He absolutely does. He absolutely does. He was in True Blood for a while. Um, another one that was a blink and you'll miss it is Mary Gillis, who you probably have never heard of, but you would recognize her voice. And that was Jackson's neighbor at the very beginning of the movie. Um, oh, the yes. one that was saying, I think we need to move back yes. to Wisconsin? Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Mary Gillis um, typically appears in, like, one episode of a television show. Um, amongst other things, she may be best known um, for, I think, two or three episodes on The Office as Aunt Shirley. 
uh, Dwight's Bass. aunt. <laughs> um, mm. I also remember her from my childhood being on Full House one episode. Uh, she was on a couple episodes of The Middle, Mr. Belvedere, um, just a hundred different shows, but always one, two episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, as soon as I heard her voice, I went, oh my God, I know exactly who that is, but I don't know her name. <laughs> Which is what you say when it's that guy. Uh, that guy, that person. Yeah. Um, the other one that I wanted to bring up, who's not necessarily so much of a that guy actor, um, but has a connection specifically to this podcast, is the girl who played Lily Curtis. Whose last name is Lily. Morgan Lily. Yes. <laughs> um, Little Louise Belcher. Always got to have a hat on. <laughs> In this movie, she spent a lot of time hanging out with uh, a woman named Tamara. In another movie, she played a girl named Tamara. It's a movie that Pake really loves. It is. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She was one of the survivors. She was. When all the other kids lost their minds. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. Wow. She played Tamara in Cooties. She played Tamara in Cooties. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. When I wanted to do this uh, movie, after I looked up the, the cast... I saw that and I just went, oh my God, I have to, this is amazing. I did not make that connection. Yeah. It's fun. You know, know, quite a few years later, a little bit later. Yes. After she had achieved Menses, of course. Of course. Yes. Because that's kind of a big part of the movie with her. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The uh allow some great scenes with elijah wood uh some awkwardness i love it yeah good stuff (laughs) well i feel like i have to bring up one of my notes which was tom mccarthy who played gordon so he was on the final season of the wire and played a character called scott templeton he was a reporter but what you may not know about Tom McCarthy is that he's actually an Oscar-winning writer for Spotlight, which was the 2015 film. He directed it and he wrote it, um, which was about reporting. So it's kind of a cool connection. But that was something that I came up with in my research that I was doing. So I've feel like now is a good time to bring that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He also did get a, a directing nomination for Spotlight as well. He did. Uh, and he, did. he has a uh, co-writing story credit on Up. Yep. Interesting. He also uh, directed and wrote The Station Agent, which is a really great film from 2003. I don't know if you've seen it, Peg, but you should. Um, hmm. Peter Dinklage is in it. It's oh, it's right. a really good movie. Put it on your list, your very, very long mm-hmm. list. Yeah. 
that you have. It'll definitely get. I'll definitely get around to it if I put it on that yeah. list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything that's on that list totally gets around to it yeah, at some point. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> if you're not podcasting on it, that it doesn't. You know what? It doesn't fit this podcast. Otherwise, we could watch it and mm-hmm. cover it. But. No, we can't. Of course, there's this little known actor that's in this movie also by the name of John Cusack. No, I'm kidding. Uh, (laughs) I believe it's pronounced Cusack. Cusack. Oh, my Um, goodness. (laughs) Joan Cusack. Oh, no. (laughs) He actually has a sister named Joan. I do know that, yes. I'm like, where are you going with this? Actually, they're the same person. He's got like a It's like Jack and Jill kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) What a range. No. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. Off the rails. Just like that subway. (laughs) Flying through the air. Um, Anyway. So yeah, anything else on that? No, that yeah. is that's what I had on that one. All right. Should bring us to Daphne's numero dos. So, my number two, I kind of want to talk a little bit about characters because that is the direction that this podcast normally goes on when it's just Pake and I. And I want to talk a bit about Jackson and, you know, we meet him... He's he's a father. He and his wife are separated. She's moved on with Gordon, who is a plastic surgeon. But Jackson is a writer, and he's really focused on wanting more time to write. So he has his job as a limo driver. But he can't keep track of time to save his life. Like... He is a such a mess trademark. Um. <laughs> yeah, he's he's his life's kind of a shit show. Um, he's forever late. He takes his kids camping. You can tell that his son does not want to be there. He's into technology and he's at that age where you don't want to be around your dad. You don't want to be around First your half, This yeah. movie, Noah, was just the biggest twerp I've ever seen Isn't in my it? life. I'm like, my God, this kid's a brat. <laughs> yes, but Peg, we were all that age once. Remember that. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, actually. I, I skipped over that year. No. You did? Mm-hmm. Okay. Little known fact. I was promoted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you were promoted, Peg? There's a promotion mm-hmm. process? Yes. Okay. I aced my toddler years so well. They're like straight to teenager. Oh, (laughs) Yeah. So you can tell that Noah doesn't want anything to do with him. But his daughter, Lily, loves, I mean, she's all about singing in the car and having dad time. But Jackson doesn't listen. Like, he he's not very good at listening. He doesn't get the bug spray. So, of course, kids get completely covered in bug bites. And he has to take the kids home early. But you can tell that he wants to have this time with the kids. Yeah. There's all kinds of fun activities, like take them down to the taped off boiling lake surrounded by dead animals. (laughs) Yes. You know, let's go walk right into that. Kids, a deer head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know how to note up there. I was like, maybe he should just lose custody completely after this mess. I don't know. Don't say that. He was trying. He wanted to take the kids to see a place that he and his wife hung out. That has to count for something. It does. In my world, it does. 
And he does take them back to their mother. Mm-hmm. Upon request. He doesn't fight her on it. He he gives in and takes them back. But I, you get the situation that he has tunnel vision, and when it comes to writing, based on conversations he has later with Kate, you get the impression that he has such tunnel vision when it comes to writing that he leaves everything behind and just focuses on that, and that was what one of the biggest issues in the relationship was. What really struck me was when... He asked Kate, well, do you love Gordon? And she said, I love him enough. I mean, what does that actually mean? <laughs> I have no idea what that You love means. him enough? <laughs> Is there a checkbox system? Well, he's not you. So, yeah. you know, there's that. You know, <laughs> maybe he doesn't like my fire, but, you know, he's there. Um, I'm not really sure, like, what that actually means. It's not the um, most romantic statement to make. No. 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 I would not suggest like writing that on a Valentine's Day card. You know, no. I love you enough. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. I love you enough. Yeah. <laughs> I love you enough to stay with. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but throughout this movie, you can see that Kate and Jackson are growing closer together again because he basically saved them. He went back, demanded they get in the car and go. Otherwise, they'd be dead. I mean, really. Yeah, I like it. I was like, go in there and get your little girl and your ex-wife. I guess you can bring along Noah if you have to. But uh, fine, Gordon can come. (laughs) (laughs) But he has such a hard time noticing that Noah and Gordon have this close relationship. Like, you can tell it bothers him. Because he wishes that that relationship, that he had that. But he's been so disconnected from his family. But throughout this film, as I said, you can see that Kate and Jackson are growing closer together. And Gordon starts to notice it, too. And I just had, you know, the first time I watched this movie, I knew Gordon was not long. I mean, he made it through most of the movie. Like, I think two hours. I mean, that's pretty good. Uh, Before he dies by grind. Gears. Which had to be a terrible death. Yeah, I, I remember thinking, it was just like, you know, maybe he was actually a good guy at the end of the movie. I couldn't stand him at first. Me either. One of the first things we hear him say, honey, women pay me thousands of dollars to handle their boobs and you get it for free. And I was like, oh, God, <laughs> gross. gross. Oh, no. I know. Did he really just say that? Like, I can't even handle that level of douchiness. I don't know how to. <laughs> that is not the way to a girl's heart. I know. So I had kind of written him off. I laughed when his uh, car got knocked into the hole. Oh, I know. And <laughs> the look he gave Jackson just, I mm-hmm. loved it. It's like, really, the so entire, your entire house collapsed. You're, you're going to be like, you bumped my car. You really should be saying, thank yeah. you for getting us the fuck out of there. And even right? Noah was right. like, hey. <laughs> it's like, hey, without, you know, without dad, we wouldn't have even got out of California. So oh, yeah, shut yeah. up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'd kind of written Gordon off, but then by the end, because then his plain, incredible plane skills, and he's actually really there for them a lot. And you see, get some like heartwarming moments for him to where by the end, I was kind of sad to see him go, but I was like, but we do have to have the, you know, movie end with the main character and his ex wife reconciling. So sorry, Gordon, we have no choice but to kill you right. off. You understand, right? Like, <laughs> he would have been better. We're going to have to let you go. He would have been better. <laughs> 
off with Tamara, which we haven't mm-hmm. touched on that situation yet. But anyway, yeah, I just wanted to touch on the character of Jackson and his connection with his family and how it grew throughout the whole movie to where we get to the end. And it's the family's back together after 27 days. But, I mean, he and his wife were kissing not an hour after. No, 20 minutes after (laughs) Gordon was dead, she was kissing her husband. (laughs) Did Gordon make it out? No, I'm sorry. Oh, no. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway, we'll kiss now. Yeah. Yeah. When she was, when it was like, I need to get down to the gears right now because otherwise we're all about to drown and the ship is about to go under. And she's like, hold on. I just want to kiss a little bit more right now. Can can this (laughs) wait five minutes maybe? No, no, no. Come back again, actually. Yeah. And you knew that Noah was going to go after him. Like you knew it was going to happen. Of course he was going to go. He wanted to help his father. Like, he came around because after Jackson, I feel like, like like we were just talking about, after Jackson got them out of California, I feel like Noah really started to come around and realize that his father wasn't just a screw up. They were, you know, he could do a lot of good things. Yeah, it was the scene where Jackson is goes back into the camper to get the map and then Somehow he escapes this falling camper with the map. But that was the first time I noticed, like, okay, Noah, so that's what it takes is for him to fall into a giant chasm in the ground, swallowing him whole, for you to finally call him dad for the first time in the movie. Uh, (laughs) But he does escape magically somehow. He Usain bolts it back to the plane. So good for him. Despite Gordon's best efforts to get away. To leave him. Yeah. I do think Gordon wanted him not to be. Okay. Oh, no. Sorry. It looks like we have to leave him. We have to go. Oh, and the kids were freaking out. And that's, (laughs) I'm just like, you tell him, you tell him. They can't leave without him. He's got the map. You don't even know where to go. The world's going to be underwater. And it's going to fly around and hope. Hope you'll find a place. You'll run out of gas before you find a place. It's crazy. So anyway, that's my number two. Peg, do you have any notes on Jackson that you'd like to share with us? I don't. <laughs> so I just the fact that yeah, he's the he's Karpov's like personal driver, chauffeur for him and his family. And we first he has to go get the the twins from school and then send them on a jet to his father, and you could just see him just like. I was like, God, I thought Noah was bad. Man. Those two. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, There's a deleted scene, when I and I'll talk about it, because I have a list of the deleted scenes for this for the movie. <laughs> um, yeah, there's an extended scene I'll tell you about later. <laughs> nice. Yeah, which, again, he didn't buy, he wasn't buying Charlie's craziness about, well, the government's secretly building spacecraft to evacuate the elites from Earth. And then he's like, yeah, whatever. And then... The kids say something about, we're going to go on a big ship and you're going to die and we're going to live. He's like, wait a minute. minute. Um, uh Oh, but uh, yeah. I mean, all he really had to do was, you know, know, go, oh, wait, I'm in a Roland Emmerich movie. I'm, you know, shit's about to go sideways. Obviously. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, He takes the camper all the way to Charlie just for Charlie to go, yeah, the map's in the camper. And he's like, oh, well, it's on the 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 whole time labeled maps. 
Oh. Yeah, you didn't even try yeah. to look for it. Yeah, but of course we needed him to then have to drive away from an explosion. We needed the we intensity. Need scene, we so. needed to be sitting on the edge of our seat, anxious and wondering. We needed this giant explosion that causes light breezes to be a problem. So, <laughs> but if it hadn't been for that, we don't get the best line of the movie. I have goosebumps, people. Woody Harrelson he was delightful he really was they cast that part so well he was he was great I remember seeing him again just I'm going into some of my random like other notes but yeah while you're mentioning him yeah I have a note that says what in the wild Woody Harrelson is going on with this guy (laughs) I was like is he wearing a crown no that's just a weird beanie got it but he is chomping on a pickle where did that pickle come from man this guy really loves pickles he does Uh (laughs) just it was insane. And then he's laughing about the whole unstable thing. And Jackson's like, yes, yeah, <laughs> unstable. I'm going to, I'm going to take my kids over here where you're not. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So Peg, what's your next point? Let me just do a quick one. Cause I did have a lot to say on just follow up on that. So a quick one, one of my backup points is tropes. Um, you love your, which tropes. you watch enough of these. Yeah, if you watch enough of these movies, especially Oral and Emmerich, you pick up on these tropes. You know, the major disaster is noticed in advance by some secret underfunded or private lab somewhere by random scientists. And let me guess, they're going to alert the government to the world and they're not going to listen at first, right? Uh, (laughs) Which is kind of what happened, but good thing we skipped over that part. You know, because we do, it's like, take six months and the president even says, I didn't even want to believe it at first. But then all that, I was like... Well, thank God we jumped over it because the movie was long enough. We didn't need all the, <laughs> I don't believe you. So at least we skipped that part. But there's still that trope. Uh, also a big trope of the main character as a father with a strained family relationship trying to connect with his kid or kids. Uh, Man, <laughs> I think we saw that in what was that movie? The Day After Tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, another little trope, uh, homeless and uh, the homeless end times guy with a big beard and a sign. <laughs> gonna have those uh let's see uh when we have you know adrian wanting to alert the people about what's happening and i'm sure they're very aware bad things are happening like oh my god you know like i i i kind of get what he's saying it's like they need to fight for themselves but i don't know what he's also wanting to say because it's kind of like hey guys the world's ending and you're all gonna die and you can't do anything about it anyway we're peacing out on this big boat bye you know, I, I don't know what you want to tell people, but but then the fact, you know, that we get the president staying behind. So the heroic president taking the stand for his uh, country again, it's more like Roland Emmerich tropes more than just disaster movie tropes. But he's but he kind of has developed this genre a lot for himself. Uh, and then we learn that Carl Anhauser totally had anyone killed who talked about the plan and he's put himself in charge which is another trope of this shady guy who's corrupted by just the thought of power. Oh, man. Uh, he wasn't as bad as some. Like, there have been some that right. have been much worse. But, yeah, he's he's definitely on my list of top ten. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, we wonder if Jackson's not going to, you know, they come back and then no, and they're like, where's, where's Jackson? And Noah's like, he was right behind me. And then they got to add to that. And there's so many parts in this movie besides that. I was like, there's no way they're going to have him die at the end because – 
the last trope that you point out is everything is going to work out at the very last possible second. That's <laughs> they got to make you wait for it. <laughs> I just want to. One other thing yeah. I want to talk about. One other little trope there is which um, was also particularly memorable in Independence Day is the incredibly accurate countdown timer. Oh, it's perfect. Oh, yeah, like to the millisecond. Yes. It's like, it hits zero. Boom. <laughs> yes. Like, the, yeah. oh, the water <laughs> will hit us at exactly this time based on this <laughs> radar image that I looked at for half a second. Right. <laughs> you know, same thing as, you know, Independence Day where the, you know, aliens will strike at exactly this second, you know, Right. Based on this timer that I'm Checkmate. carrying around with me at all times. Checkmate. Yes. I think that's what he said. Yeah, Checkmate. that's what Jeff Goldblum yes. said. Checkmate. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> so good. <laughs> oh. oh man. Oh. All right. I could go off on a hard Steve. <laughs> thing too but let's, <laughs> no. let's uh no. let's stick here <laughs> no but i gotta call my uh gotta call my lawyer i gotta call my housekeeper i don't know he said he wanted you <laughs> to call, call a bunch my lawyer oh forget my lawyer <laughs> <laughs> any more all tropes right. fake Jeff, or is uh, it okay no, that's all right that's all i got all right all right so we can lead into jeff uh Pate kind of touched on mine a little bit, which was, for me, the most unbelievable, hard-to-swallow pill of the entire movie, which was Adrian going up to uh, Anheuser at that party, the White House Chief of Staff, and showing him this document, and immediately the Chief of Staff goes, this is serious, we have to actually do something about this. Right. I was like, that doesn't no, usually happen that in these movies. I was surprised at that too because there's. He's supposed to be. I'm rich. Be gone. Yes. I mean, forget um, movies. Talk about real life. I know. <laughs> We've seen that, but but usually in movies, exactly, they'll go up to someone and it's like they disregard it. We saw it in the day after tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like that was one. So it, it took Independence a while for them Day to, too. Yeah. It's a common thing. Absolutely. So he flipped it around in this movie, and I was kind of like, huh. Oh, okay. They're actually going to do something about them, about this. They actually yeah. believe the scientists. That's uh, that's weird. Yeah. Oh, okay, but they're still going to kill all the poor people, so that's, that's normal. Yes. Okay. There we go. Right. Back on track. <laughs> <laughs> There's always someone with information based in science, and there's always a naysayer. That they have to fight against. Like, it's a formula. But in this case, they flipped it around. And it went in a different way than what we're used to. That, I mean, mm-hmm. okay. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's just a real quick thing, kind of thing with just that whole idea, which is different than, I mean, both, you know, an Emmerich movie and really almost any movie that's, you know, disaster-based or or... Even, you know, a lot of monster-based movies, if you have a scientist involved, you know, they're always the ones who said, who's saying, you know, oh, we know exactly what caused this. It's solar flares or it's, you know, whatever. And, you know, 
they're completely ignored for the first half of the movie <laughs> until it's far too late to do anything. This time they actually like had a lot of plans. It's just that those plans were also, I mean, first of all, the plans were apparently timed so that they would be done at the exact second that everything was supposed to go down with no contingency for, Hey, maybe things will go at a different rate. Um, <laughs> also, I thought it was pretty amazing that that huge arc that, that that gate could be undone by a rubber hose. Yeah, right? yeah those gears look pretty tough. <laughs> those those so... gears killed a man. Yeah. But, yeah. They can chew up Gordon. Rubber hose was rubber like, hose? Oh, <laughs> sorry. Stop. Stop. Yeah, no. <laughs> and it took a child to point out that the hose is what needed to be taken care of. A child. <laughs> He's like, hey, Dad, what if you just, like, fixed the thing there? Oh, got it. <laughs> what if you um, hit the fix gears button over there? Have you tried turning it off and back on again? <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, that's that's the IT crowd. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, that's what I had for that. Nice. All right. Well, then, Daphne, what is your last... Main point. My last main point, I want to point out some stuff that we... Point from Maine. What? So your main point, you got a point coming all the way from, from Maine. to us from Maine. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, I want to point out some stuff that we didn't get to see. Like some of the extras that were part of the DVD. Um, so, there is an alternate ending where... Adrian's father, um, Tony, uh, Harry and Tony survived. Oh, yeah. Which, I'm sorry, if you're outside of the ship and it's flipping over, no, there's no way. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. The ship survived. And they were beached on an island not far from where everyone was. Okay. Okay. Course. And the CGI had not been completed on I mean, it. Not only it did looked, they survive, the it was survived. bad. No, I mean, even in the recording, uh, like recording the actors, like it, yeah, not good. The only part that looks okay is Tony standing there with a like a broken arm, and that looked completed. The rest is a green screen and a guy in the scene that looks really blurry. Mm -hmm. it, it's. <laughs> yeah and then after that they go outside um meaning jackson and his family and everyone and they have interactions with adrian and laura so they talk a little bit to them talk about uh jackson's book and so that you know that part's a little bit different i mean they could have done that part if they wanted to that part could have been done it just didn't i mean it's hard to say that there was bloat on, you know, that it would have been too much bloat for a, you know, two and a half hour movie to add an extra 30 seconds, but. And then there's a point where I don't think it was in the movie where Jackson fixed Noah's phone and gave it back. That's in that alternate ending. Yeah, too, yeah. that's in the alternate ending. Um, and all his music is on there. Too. Yes, all his music's on there, too. Um 
And here are some deleted scenes that we got. Um, Jackson driving the twins to the airfield. He's driving them slowly through a bunch of protesters and, and end of, you know, the end is near people. And then the kids are getting really annoyed that he's going slowly. I think they expected him to mow them down to get to the airfield. Um, there's another one where the president and his assistant, Sally, uh, he goes in and asks her why she's still there because, um, she, you know, everyone else had left. And they just talk about all the years that they've worked together. And it was kind of a, a nice moment. I think Sally kind of had this affection for him. You know, she really believed in what he stood for. And um, then they go on to prepare the, the broadcast. There's another scene. <laughs> this is one of my favorites. I wish this had been in there. Where they're realizing they're on the bridge and they realize that something has gone wrong because the door isn't closing. Anheuser is pitching the biggest fit and looks at uh, Adrian and says, well, what are you going to do now? Sleep with the president's daughter. And Adrian punches him in the face. And I appreciated that so much. Uh, I will be watching that. <laughs> it's amazing. It just makes you feel good. Um, scene number four is Jackson actually finding Noah's phone when they're underwater. Uh, we don't see that, but he sees something flashing heading toward the gears when he's leaving and he goes back to get it. And then there's a scene that would have appeared after the alternate ending. It's basically Anheuser apologizing to Adrian for the thing, for the things that he said to him. And those are all the extras that were on there. The only other thing I will point out is I think that Sony was involved heavily because... So many bios everywhere. Everywhere. Sony Ericsson cell phones. Like, yeah, it's definitely a Sony production. That was something I noticed right from the beginning. So, yeah. <laughs> so that is my... Yeah, that's my number one. Pointing out some things that nice. we didn't get to see. All right. Um, my last main point, just kind of bounce around, to talk about my favorite side characters for a different reason. We've talked about them a little bit. Uh, Jeff did a great impression earlier. Um, <laughs> for just I the insanity that, that is <laughs> the, the <laughs> yeah, the, the group that is Yuri Karpov and his family unit situation that I'm still not really a hundred percent sure on, but you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, so yeah, we first, we see them of course, you know, is we're learning that Charlie is spot on with his, you know, elite evacuation procedure ideas and all this stuff too, complete with, you know, thumbprint scanners on like flip phones and stuff. Well, Cause why not? Um, <laughs> but that's where we see uh, Yuri Karpov who uh, just, at first, I thought he was leaving his children behind because I was fully convinced that uh, Tamara was his daughter for most of the movie. <laughs> no. Until I learned that's not. definitely not the case. No. Um, she was his But he just leaves flop. her behind. And wasn't yeah. the boxer that was in the ring also his son? What happened to that guy? 
I don't know. Uh, I thought no, that was I his don't... son for some reason. No, I don't. I don't think it was his but... boy, his kid. Other than you know, he refers to him as my boy. Yeah, but, but like, I don't think it was literally. <laughs> that's his usually son. a good giveaway. Um, no. But yeah, that's no. I literally I literally thought that was like his son, and then that's like, well, that's why they're there. He's there supporting his. But actually, it was yeah. I don't know. Maybe he sponsors this. That's box. what he I could, assumed. Yeah. That he yeah. him. Because it was just like, well, we never saw that guy again. So if he was related to him, he didn't care about him. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, uh, which which came with that? I was like, oh, we, that's where we learn. Oh yeah, people are literally paying their way onto these arcs to where I was like, well, I have to assume that Helmsley's not aware of that uh, plan. Cause he seems like a hero to the movie. So he wouldn't want to go along with prioritizing the lives of rich people over the best for humanity. And I was like, Oh no, he doesn't know. Never mind. But then we do come find out. I was like, Oh, he was okay with picking and choosing people to live and die for their, you know, what they will be for humanity or going forward. But which is still kind of iffy, but you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but as long, but at least he's not making the like. But only the rich people who can't afford it. He was very uh, bothered by that idea, uh, which is a weird tangent because I'm talking about Yuri. But you know, that's <laughs> in the notes. Uh, but yeah, that's once they're on the on Yuri's plane flying to China. I was like, wait a minute. Once the conversations, I was like, oh, she's his girlfriend. Yes. I was 100 sure that was his daughter. The age difference. And I was like, oh, okay. But then she was so like connected to Sasha. Toward then, I was so confused. I was like, "Wait, who is Tamara?" I was like, "Or Tamara?" I'm like, "So is she his daughter or his girlfriend?" She's his, his bit of fluff. girlfriend who loves Sasha, and and I was yes. trying, to, and yes, then the we get one. that finally. It's yeah. like that's what that was. Was that last part? And that's why he leaves her. The you know dick move. Um, well, he looks at a picture in his wallet of his wife and his kids together. Yeah. Like if, if I guess she also left him. Yeah. Uh, that's how him and Jackson are like, yeah, we're both divorced. Cause even uh, his terrible twins kind of relate to Noah. There's like, or, you know, it's like, Oh, our parents are divorced too. So <laughs> now we're best friends. Uh, I, I do like, wanted, I really wanted them to turn to Lily and say, we went dark times too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Love piecing bed. Um, <laughs> but uh I did like the line, Yuri, what are we doing? And he goes, we're taking the Bentley. I do, <laughs> <laughs> I do and like And it that. wouldn't start. Start. Oh, that was. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That was great. Yeah. Like Voice control. Sold mm. me on it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, Sorry, that was, that was going a little bit into Schwarzenegger there. <laughs> Speaking of Schwarzenegger, that was yes. a great Arnold impersonator on the newscast. <laughs> that was fun. Um, that, that made that seem fun. fun. <laughs> yeah, there were some real nice cars that just got utterly destroyed. I was like, ow. Uh, and then, of course, the plane skits the edge and so close, but RIP Sasha. I figured he wasn't going to make it out of that. It was like, no, he's, he's a, a goner. It's the second that the rest of the people eject out the back of the plane in the car, I was like, and the pilot's a goner. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so our group is then found by a bunch of people flying elephants and giraffes through the snowy mountains. You know, you know how that goes. Been there. Um, so yeah, they're in China, but then they need card access to get a lift to the Ark, which then that's that dick move of Yuri. He's like, all right, here's my card for me and my sons and everybody else. Fuck you. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he ever intended for um, Tamara to go with him. Honestly, 
Because right from mm. the beginning, when she's packing, he just dismisses her when she's talking about a raincoat for the dog or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That dog. Caesar. He did take the dog, though. Yes! He did take the dog. He was like, I'm leaving you, but I'm taking the dog. The boys like the dog, so they get what they want. Uh, yeah, uh, but she got she got the dog back and mm. gave him the finger. It was great. Yeah. I cheered. But then the boys wound up with the dog at the end. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, in other words, she took the dog but gave him the bird. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which, oh, God, I, I knew that finger was coming, and then it did, and I was so happy. But as I'm watching that scene, I was like, is it bad that I hope Caesar the dog makes it and Yuri and the boys get squished? <laughs> I was like, is it bad that I'm <laughs> okay? I kind of hope that. Um, yeah, because the arc that he was supposed to get on was damaged. And then all of these people that were supposed to be. So then it kind of it's it's this weird conundrum where they're like, we've got to let the people on. And it's like, well, there are people that already like paid their way on and then you're going to leave them anyway. Uh, so ha ha on them. I don't know. <laughs> But they do let them on, except for Yuri, because, yeah, uh, he makes this because he's he like climbs down into the little like latch area to keep, getting, to keep from getting pushed off like other people were. Oh, but then when the ramp starts coming back down, he's like, well, shit, I got to climb back up, uh, which he does not. And then, yeah, he totally wouldn't have made it unless Jackson and the others wouldn't have like gummed up the system with their rubber hose. They're powerful, powerful rubber hose that can stop those cogs. It would have been the end of, of them, but then it also almost was the end of everyone on that arc because it did get clogged up. So, yeah, you know, just Jackson, really Jackson's the real villain of the whole movie. You know, he's just going everywhere, causing chaos. Um, <laughs> really, it was Tenzin. Yeah, it was Tenzin. You know, if you think yeah. about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was Tenzin. His, 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 I mean, he didn't his even husband. want to help them. It was his grandmother that basically said no. So it was grandma's fault. Well, no. Yeah, always That's grandma's what fault. It is. Grandma's fault that the arc doors didn't close. Always. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, she basically said to him, we are all children of the earth. This is what you didn't get to see, Paik. Without that, she ba- after Kate is pleading for her to take the children, she says, we are all children of the earth. We will take them all. And he didn't like it, but he listened to his grandmother. And they all went. So, yeah, just to wrap up the, this group of people, you're our, our Russian contingent of the movie. Uh, yeah. After everything tomorrow went through, what does she get for it? Uh I mean, she even saves Lily and Caesar and gets them to safety at the end. But unfortunately, that leaves her trapped in a small room that floods real quickly, staring up at a giraffe. So good job. <laughs> Interesting that that room flooded faster than the other two areas. I, 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 yeah, I was assuming because it's smaller. Yeah. I yeah. Think. But then I was like, yeah, but the water's not pouring in from that area. So it was like, yeah. sure. But, you know, we got to she's a loose end. We just. Get rid of that um, <laughs> for some reason. Save the <laughs> dog and child. You know, mm-hmm. that's all we needed out of this group. I mean, these right. kids were traumatized by the end of this movie. I don't know how. I mean, Lily says she's not needing pull-ups anymore. And I'm thinking, no, but you probably need some sort of therapy after everything that's <laughs> happened. You do need a therapist, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everything you've witnessed, people have died. I mean... 
buildings falling down, your father almost falling into a pit after the RV falls over. I mean, all of that, yes. She needed it. But yeah, so I just, I enjoyed the the storyline of the Russians as interesting. It was just very interesting. Yuri had this interesting arc of being like terrible, but then not so terrible, but then also terrible again, and then kind of ending less terrible because at least he saved his kids. Uh- <laughs> yeah, I mean, and good on the guy for coming out to help pull the other twin up because he didn't mm-hmm. have to do that. I mean, use that boxer strength to chunk that last one up. Yeah, he just grabs him and throws him. (laughs) I don't know. So that is that point. So, Jeff, do you have any extra notes? Uh, Not too much, really. No, I think we kind of went over just about everything that I had. Um,. Yeah, I mean, most of my most of my notes were either about different actors and characters or about the visual effects, which I think we've all covered. All right. Well, I have. Yeah, I think I'm good. I have a note. I was really pissed. A note. <laughs> yeah, I have. Well, I'll look after. I was really pissed at Anheuser. For not prioritizing Satnam and his family getting to the Ark. And yeah. instead, they died on a hill together. That was horrible. Especially because he is the one who pointed out the issue in the first place. Right. That pissed me off. Um, and then... Because I already talked about Sony Vaya. Why? Do you have a lot? I have a lot. I have awesome. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you do. I, I mean, there were just a lot of little funny things here. Like, I don't know, the Las Vegas sign, like things were the destruction and seeing Las Vegas having been there like six, eight months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and Air Force One paying a little visit to, uh, the Ark, like, just coming mm-hmm. over and banging into it. Mount Everest being at a much lower level. Like, all these things, the suspension of disbelief of everything that was going on. Like, you you yeah. just didn't know what you were going to get or where anything was going to be. Um, And I did, uh, I there were a couple quotes I wanted to point out. I really appreciated the goodbye that Adrian had with his dad when mm-hmm. he's leaving the White House. And he just basically says, the president has ordered us to clean out the White House. And Harry says, about time somebody cleaned up that mess. <laughs> and it kind of made me chuckle. Um, and then, um, yeah, I have goosebumps, people. You already... Said that, <laughs> yeah. Charlie was, he was a bit funny. I mean, well, he was a lot funny, and I'm grateful that he was in it. And then Kate, as Kate saying to Jackson, because they're talking about if he's changed since they separated, and he said, I certainly eat a lot more cereal now. 
Um, he did have one other great line right at the very end when uh, when Kate says, "Where have you been all my life?" and he goes, "Gift shop." Yes, mm-hmm. and that's what he when he went to fix um, the phone. I think, yeah, he went to the gift shop to fix that. Um, Charlie, one of his wonderful lines. Folks, did you hear that? The authorities in L.A. say there's nothing to worry about. I'd love to see their dumb faces when Malibu and Beverly Hills get sucked into the gurgling maw of the Pacific. Where are they going to plug in their electric cars then? Ha, ha, ha. Loved that. I mean, Charlie, every line. The way that Woody Harrelson delivered it, like, it was (laughs) just a joy, honestly. Uh, Oh, yeah. It was just a lot of fun to, to see. And on a sad note, um, I wanted to talk about Tony calling his son. And that whole scene was just a fucking bummer. Wasn't it? It was such a bummer. (laughs) He calls his son and he gets to talk to his granddaughter. And she actually even says, You're my grandpa. And goes and gets her father. Her father comes and he waits too long holding the phone. Probably because he's thinking, Oh my God, my father has called me. He never calls me. He doesn't have anything to do with me. The world must be yeah, ending. My dad exactly. called. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. And then boom. <laughs> it's it's over. Um and I also love the conversation that Laura and Adrian have about books. Like he didn't bring a toothbrush, only books, and he's got this bag full of books and he basically is talking about his father used to bribe him with ice cream. From him reading more and more books. And I just, you know, he says, my high school career was 2,000 books and zero girlfriends. And so I thought that was really sweet. Because they're really connecting, even if Anheuser is being a bit of a dick. Um, And yeah, I think that's all that I have. And I know you have a lot, Pig, so why don't you bring it on? We'll, we'll see. We'll see what we have. Uh, talking about Adrian a little bit, just Chiwetel Ejiofor. I like him a lot, so it was good to see him He's wonderful. Here. Uh, I was very, this is the first time I've seen this. Uh, so when they're at Yellowstone and he's walking up to like confront the, the people that the military found, I kind of paused the movie and said to myself out loud, I go, okay. Over under, what are the chances that Adrian knows exactly who uh, Jackson is? But as an author, I was like, what are they? And then once they had that conversation, I was like, yep, figured he would. Uh, that was that was a given, um, which is even crazier than you find out he only like published like 400 something copies. I know, that's how copies many sold. Book. I mean, uh, I think it's going to be a popular book now. Uh, before we get Charlie talking about the spaceships that turn out to actually just be regular ships. But then they have a moment where Adrian is talking to uh, somebody on a, on a call, but it's just like the earth's crust is destabilizing basically, you know, the world's ending is like, so we need to start the evacuation now. And I was like, evacuation to where? Yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> where are you going to evacuate to? There's nowhere to evacuate. The world's ending. Evacuate. Okay. I noticed one little moment where uh, Chiwetel's British slipped out, uh, where he said that the dater was showing something. Um, (laughs) And I was just like, oh, there it was. Gotcha. 
Although uh, Tandiwe Newton did an impeccable job with her American accent, which made me very uncomfortable because I'm not used to hearing it. I know. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. I'm not used to hearing that. No, definitely not. <laughs> and he has that line where he's just like, I appreciate him being like, we can do more. We can save more people. But when he gets into that like little like room and he's like, this could fit 10 people. I'm like, in what world is there 10 people sleeping in that thing? Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> yes. All right. You just want to bundle up with the people for all, all day in and day I out. I mean, I get it, but it's also, you know, and like, yes, it could fit 10 people in the sense of like, just packing people in if you're there for a short term. Right. But first of all, I don't think they knew how long, I mean, well, they said at the end, you know, it, it waters have receded much faster than they thought. So right. they were planning to be there for months mm-hmm. and they did not have the resources for, you know, the more people you have on board, the more resources you have to have. Mm-hmm. Which right. means the more room is taken up by resources, which means the yeah. fewer people you can have on board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So oh, all the <laughs> yeah specifics are. Don't look into them too much. <laughs> look the other way. Do not look behind the curtain. Um, Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Let's see. Uh, what else do I have? I, I'm really like on. Agent. Yeah, you talked about. Satnam, his friend and his family. That was awful. Uh, I like way earlier in the movie, Adrian's talking to Laura and he says something about like, what are the chances of Jackson Curtis being on this ship with us? And he's talking about like in the form of the book that he wrote. And so I thought it's funny that the exact arc that they snuck themselves onto was for where Laura and Adrian were. Uh Perfect, right? Perfect. So let's see. Random other notes. Uh, sort of the subtitles thing, but eh. <laughs> didn't have them. Well, I, so some you of them confusing. Let but. me tell you what was going on at the beginning. The French in French, <laughs> basically, um, Laura was helping Roland take art so it could be stored. Yeah, I figured that out eventually once I saw that they were loading a bunch of art onto the arcs. So I was like, okay, that whole scene Yeah, makes but sense that's now. not then, why she thought she was doing it. She thought they were protecting the art from people who would destroy it. So they were taking it to the Alps, like to be stored in Switzerland and replacing uh, it in the museum. She didn't know anything about it and then he calls her later and says all this shit's going down. I've got a press conference tomorrow. And then his car blows up. And evidently they had taken out a bunch of people. When you look at Charlie's board that he brings out and points all these people out that had died, it was everyone who was going to blow the whistle on the project because they had figured out what was happening. Let's see. Yeah. We talked to Oliver Platt. Is that Anheuser? Anheuser. Uh, I was like, man, he's kind of scummy. I'm not sure if he's supposed to be, Uh, but yeah, I think so. Douchey, self-centered. He's joking about Adrian and Laura getting together. And it's just like, dude, why? <laughs> like, you're just kind of weird. Um, let's see. Woody Helson loved him. Uh, got most of the notes about that. Yeah, Charlie Frost is, is a fun character. Again, really loves pickles. He's way out there. He's like the poster child for wacky conspiracy theorists. And yet somehow every single thing he said is spot on with this movie, which is 
a fun trope to play there too. It's just like the crazy guy who actually has everything right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The cruise ship. I really liked the cruise ship people like uh, Harry and Tony definitely immediately liked the old jazz duo guys. Um, of course, after the business with the like ramp onto the ship happened to be like, yeah, you know what? That's a sign. No cruise for me going home. Bye. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you've been on cruises before. I have. You've never had anything like that happen, though, I'm, I'm assuming. No, I have not. <laughs> I have not. I've had really big waves that caused me to get sick because the whole ship was like, you were like walking uphill and then back downhill real quick and then uphill and then <laughs> it's going. Yeah, that was kind of a weird feeling. Uh, I've been there, but nothing like that. That and then yeah, the, the phone call we talked about between Harry and Adrian, which was really emotional. And then even he's just like, "I need a drink." Uh, yeah, Tony was really freaked out about that too. He's like, "You've been twenty years," and <laughs> yeah. Because he hadn't had a drink yeah, in have, a long, long time. Yeah. We have the Curtises narrowly getting out of Vegas in time, thanks to Gordon being kind of, sort of, but not really a pilot at all. Uh, Suspension of disbelief. <laughs> so they hitch a ride on Karpov's big plane, and that takeoff, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's not how planes work, but okay, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Gordon is not a co-pilot. He's not a pilot of any kind. That's what he's been saying. Mm-hmm. He, Gordon was letting you know that. He's, I'm not a pilot. And they're like, sure you are. Get on up there, scamp. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so then we see the arcs are not spaceships. They're just literally huge ships that are designed to withstand any tsunamis and help people survive when the Earth is just water for however any long tsunamis, but not rubber hoses. But not rubber hoses. Um... I have to wonder now with the whole the arc storyline, I was like, clearly the kid's name being Noah was on purpose. Um, I never found any information that would back that up. Has to be. Has to be. When they're like, we got to name one of the characters, Noah. I, I figured that has to be a conversation somewhere. Like somebody on the boat's going to be named Noah. Um, There's the one dude that we get his name early in the movie. I don't remember, but he's like, friends with adrian adrian borrows his jacket to talk to anheuser uh early yes, but then we see that guy sorry. kind of throughout the movie but at the end when the engine kicks on and they pull away from the from mount everest i was like this dude is very and i mean very expressive <laughs> like that whole scene he's just he all the emotions he's gonna let you know how he's feeling <laughs> man <laughs> yeah uh that and then the, the last note that i just Ryan mcdonald was, as scotty I, Got it. Yeah. And then last random note was just something I thought was kind of weird. Uh, Tendiway Newton as Laura at the end when her and Adrian are talking and Adrian is kind of is asking her out, you know, well, besides books and, and, you know, science and stuff. I was like, what else do you think we could have in common? And she's like, are you asking me out? And she has this line where she was like, well, my diary's pretty full. And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? You mean calendar? Is calendar the word you were looking for? <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't pick that up. Well, diary... yeah, diaries record the past. So. Yeah, but people do. My diary's pretty full. I've had enough experiences in life. No, I don't want to date you. No. What does that mean? <laughs> diary is. I think t- she meant the word calendar. No. Um, and that just slip through diary is a is a term used for calendar outside of the u.s 
but she's playing in America. She's playing the president's daughter. I can't help that. <laughs> Whoever wrote it. So maybe her British did slip out. After I don't all. know. Uh, <laughs> because yeah, I was like, I think you meant calendar. Uh, Nobody told Emmerich that that's not the right word. Right. <laughs> When's, when's this movie supposed to come out, Roland? I don't know. Let's see what my diary says. Um, <laughs> and then they're like, sure. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I think that is all the notes I Oh, got. my goodness. Dunzo. Wow. Well, you know what other notes that I have, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, I have some little tidbits. I've actually used a couple of them, so I'm not going to repeat them now. Um, but here, That's probably a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we don't want this podcast to go two hours and 39, 38 minutes. Okay. I'm so, trying to set a record here. Um, Jeff, been my goal from the beginning, Jeff, I don't think you're going to break it. And no, got a ways, you got to, a go. ways <laughs> to go, but you're welcome to try again. <laughs> I will do that. Thank you for inviting me back. I'll be here next week. <laughs> <laughs> and every week after that till I get it. <laughs> okay, so here's what I have for behind the scenes. Roland Emmerich always wanted to do a biblical flood movie. He didn't feel that he had a hook until he read Graham Hancock's Fingerprints of the Gods, and that gave him the inspiration that he needed. Farewell Atlantis was the fake working title of the movie. Same name as the book, written by Jackson Curtis. Visual effects were created by the following companies. Uncharted Territory, Digital Domain, Double Negative, Scanline, and Sony Pictures Imageworks. When Jackson is renting the plane, he gives the pilot his watch as a payment It was given to him by his editor when he thought he was going to be somebody. Um, The watch is a classic pilot mark 16 and sells for at least $3,000. And he made sure to pick that back up off the pilot's dead body before (laughs) they got in the plane. Yes, (laughs) sentimental reasons. So when Jackson goes to pick up Yuri's kids... He drives up to the Fleur de Lis estate in Bel Air. At the time, it was one of the most expensive real estate listings in the country with an asking price of $125 million. So he wasn't picking them up at school. He was picking them up at their house. Character of Jackson Curtis is the real name of 50 Cent Curtis Jackson. Backwards. Roland Emmerich is a big fan of 50 Cent. And wanted to name the lead character after him. So I guess maybe if Noah, maybe he did just decide to throw Noah in because they were going to be arcs. I, I'm not sure. So the song. It well, you ain't- mentioned, um, you, you did mention that he got inspiration from Fingerprints of the Gods, which does touch on the idea of a civilization that was destroyed during the uh, global flood slash, you know, specifically, you know, the Christian, um, you know, story of Noah. So that could have played into it. It could. So the song, It Ain't the End of the World, that Harry and Tony were singing on the cruise ship, was actually co-written 
by Blue Mankuma, who played Harry, and George Siegel, who played Tony. They're both talented musicians as well as actors. Unfortunately, George Siegel passed away. Um, I already talked about Tom McCarthy being an Academy Award winner. So Seth Rogen turned down the role of Adrian Helmsley. Gerard Butler <laughs> was I'm sorry, I'm just I'm just picturing I know it's it's a very different That's movie. A it very is, different right? movie. Yeah, no, I I prefer the the casting we had. And Michael Sarah as Anheuser. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> James Franco as the president. No. Gerard Butler was first considered for the role of Jackson Curtis, but he turned it down because of scheduling conflicts. I wonder what he was filming. The music in the teaser trailer is the same music that was used for the trailer for The Shining. And this is the second movie that features John Cusack as a limousine driver. The first was Identity, a movie that was released in 2003 and also starred Amanda Peet, who played Kate in 2012. And that, that is what movie. I have. Yes, it was. So we did it. We've bro- broken down the uh, historical reenactment drama 2012. You remember when all that stuff happened back in that year? It was a wild time, man. Yeah. I do. God, we're all still here. I do. Even with the movie only having like 39% on Rotten Tomatoes, that's like most of the people that are left on Earth after that, right? Yeah. So I think we're good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Didn't we all meet on, on Boat 4? Yeah, yeah that's, that's how we met, right? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Memories. My. The feedback phone. Something. Yeah, might have to see what other people think of this historical film. Yes. <laughs> All right, we do have a little bit of feedback this week. We forgot to bring Jeff back in. We we let him outside for a minute, and then we locked the door, and he stayed outside, and then the tsunami took him away. Sorry, oh, Jeff. Oh, sorry, Jeff. <laughs> we got to see if we can find him, though, because he should definitely come back and do another yeah. one with us. We'll go, we'll go search for him and try to bring him back for another movie. Hopefully he found an arc or something somewhere. We'll we'll see. Um, Jeff's pretty resourceful. I, I feel so. like yeah. he'll be okay. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, so I guess we'll just have to carry on. Um, this first one comes from Alma Contreras. Hey, Alma. Says, I think 2012 is my favorite disaster movie. I saw this movie in the theater on premiere night. I can't tell you how many times I have watched it. I love how SoCal is depicted in the movie. And when the shit starts hitting the fan, I just love the destruction special effects. I've been hearing about the destruction of California and how about half of it will be falling into the ocean since I was a kid. This movie did good in showing how that destruction might look. I also liked how they didn't just stick to Cali being demolished, but also Las Vegas, Hawaii, Washington, D.C., Italy. The whole idea of one billion euro per seat pretty much tells me there is no way of me surviving the destruction that is to be coming someday. (laughs) I know. Survival of the richest. Uh Uh-huh. Well, Wendy says, I love this movie. It's so over the top. It's fantastic. Made only better by a crazy cameo from Woody Harrelson. Couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. It was so awesome. So if you'd like to submit feedback like Alma or Wendy, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Run for Your Lives Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at RFYL Podcast, 
or email us at runforyourlivespodcast at gmail.com. If you're enjoying the show, tell your friends. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and pretty much all other podcast players, including YouTube. Go to runforyourlivespodcast.com for all the links you'll ever need. And give us a review on Apple Podcasts, as that's the best way to share the love and get us out there even more. We really appreciate it. Absolutely, we do. Of course, talking about sharing the love, got to give some shout outs to things going on in the podcast universe around us. First off, Strange Indeed, my other podcast, my other podcast. It's a whole different kind of thing. We just, it's <laughs> about chess. Now, um, my other podcast, Strange Indeed with Rima. Um, we are still on a break right now for a little bit, but we will be coming back pretty soon within the next like two weeks. Um, yeah. For AMC's The Mayfair Wishes. And I have to be careful. Every time I say that, because for some reason my brain wants to flip the two letters and I just want to make it a sitcom about a bunch of guys named Mitchell that run a furniture store and it's the Wayfair Mitches. I've made that joke like three <laughs> times already on this podcast, but like I have it, my brain wants to do that and I have to be careful. <laughs> uh, yes. But yes, we will be covering Anne Rice's The Mayfair Witches. Again, I had to like make sure I was like, wait, which one? But yeah, uh, that will be fun. I'm excited to get into that. I know literally nothing about it i know nothing about Anne rice's work that is just a whole like fandom and universe that i've just never even touched so i'm interested to ju- uh, jump into that with rima who's a huge fan and then who knows i i, I can think of a- another super fan that we know that we might bring in i think you stuff. definitely yeah, should we might we might have to yeah uh but yeah won't say anything for sure just in case it doesn't happen but uh you'll know if you know um <laughs> So that'll be really fun. That should be coming out because I think it premieres on January 8th. So pretty soon. We'll probably be covering it just a couple days after that. We'll be recording. So keep awesome. uh, looking out for that. If you're going to be watching that, uh, we'll be covering it. And then over on Podcastica, all kinds of other stuff going on. Because the Walking Dead cast is no more. But don't fret because if you follow the Walking Dead cast, it's still in your feed, just under a different name. It has now become the cast of us a podcast dedicated to the show the last of us so they will be covering the hbo series the last of us that is also coming out very soon i think january 15th so just like a week later after we start our uh, may for witches <laughs> stuff so january is going to be exciting uh because i think mandalorian also comes out. it does so man so much good stuff going on um <laughs> so yeah so if you're a fan of the cat the cast of us the last of us games and you're excited for the tv show or don't even haven't even played the games and just are excited to check out the show or want to see what it's about check out the cast of us uh that's going to be really fun uh jason and lucy the walking dead cast but then also rima will be jumping in ben will be jumping in eric will be jumping in so they've got quite a, a cast of characters over there to cover that show so that'll be a great time i'm super excited to watch and listen me too and their preview episode is already up now if you want to go check that out where they kind of Without getting too spoilery, uh, talk about, you know, just kind of their excitement about it. You know, things are coming up. They've all played the games and they're big fans of that. So go check that out for sure. Kind of as they're previewing and talking about their excitement for the upcoming show. Also, they have uh, posted the final episode of Dead to Us, which is the Dead to Me podcast with Penny, Jade and Jason. They covered season three over on Netflix. And so now they have wrapped that The final episode is up. So go check that out if you're a fan of that as well. 
And then finally, it's showtime, folks, is the new podcastica podcast that is launched. And so the Miracle on 34th Street was up. And so that one's not like a weekly release. It's kind of a just whenever they feel like it. So get that, you know, followed in your feed. They'll be covering some fun movies. I think they are recording like right now as I'm speaking or they did earlier today. So within the next few days, because they're pretty fast, should be up the new uh, Netflix film, The Ryan Johnson Mystery, The Last Onion, which I watched. I loved it. It was incredible. So I'm excited to listen to their coverage of it. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Let's see over on t- uh, TV podcast industries. They have done two special episodes of their recap of 2022, all the great stuff that they covered over the year. And then another, uh, you know, preview. Is it one episode or two? I think it's two separate episodes. It's two separate episodes. Yeah, pretty sure. Yeah. So they do a special of a recap of 2022 and then they released another episode, which is a special looking forward to 2023 and kind of a preview of all of the shows and seasons of shows that are coming out in this next year that they are going to be covering. So they work hard over there. Go check those out and see all the wonderful stuff that they did and all the wonderful stuff they're going to do. Yes. But that's about it for other podcasts, our podcast friends, our pod friends around us. But, you know, we're not stopping anytime soon. So we're still coming back next week with something new. What do we got coming for the people? Well, we are coming back with something really new. When a drilling team awakens a giant troll from its Dover Mountain slumber. (laughs) That's my favorite John Denver song. (laughs) (laughs) Dover Mountain slumber. No, sorry. (laughs) Had to. Had to. I'm bad. (laughs) It's up to a paleobiologist and her eccentric, troll-loving father to diffuse the situation. We are covering Roar Uthok's 2022 film, Troll. Be a fun one. New movies. Love getting to cover new movies. Thank you, Netflix and Hulu and all of the other streaming services that make movies available to us. Yeah, we've still got some new ones that we need to get around to. I know. And how long will it take before we start getting into 2023 films? (gasps) (laughs) I know one of the first that we're going to cover. I'm just going to keep it a secret. It's kind of, (laughs) it's crazy, but we're going to cover it. It comes out in February. Yep. And with that, we've reached the end of another fun episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm Daphne. And I'm Pake. And if you have to run, you better run for your lives. Bye-bye.